Section 183 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 219. London, March 22, 1758. My dear friend, I have now your letter of the 8th lying before me, with the favorable account of our progress in Lower Saxony, and a reasonable prospect of more decisive success. I confess I did not expect this, when my friend Munchausen took his leave of me to go to Stad and break the neutrality. I thought it at least a dangerous, but rather a desperate undertaking, whereas hitherto it has proved a very fortunate one. I look upon the French army as fondue, and, what with desertions, deaths, and epidemical distempers, I dare say not a third of it will ever return to France. The great object is now what the Russians can or will do, and whether the king of Prussia can hinder their junction with the Austrians, by beating either before they join. I will trust him for doing all that can be done. Sir C. W. is still in confinement, and, I fear, will always be so, for he seems comme ration insaniere. The physicians have collected all he has said and done that indicated an alienation of mind, and have laid it before him in writing. He has answered it in writing, too, and justifies himself in the most plausible arguments that can possibly be urged. He tells his brother, and the few who are allowed to see him, that they are such narrow and contracted minds themselves, that they take those for mad who have a great and generous way of thinking, as, for instance, when he determined to send his daughter over to you in a fortnight, to be married, without any previous agreements or settlements, as it was because he had long known you, and loved you as a man of sense and honor, and therefore would not treat with you as with an attorney. That as for Mademoiselle Jean, he knew her merit and her circumstances, and asks whether it is a sign of madness to have a due regard for the one, and a just compassion for the other. I will not tire you with enumerating any more instances of the poor man's frenzy, but conclude this subject with pitying him, and poor human nature, which holds its reason by so precarious a tenure. The lady, who you tell me is set out, en sera pour la scène et les frais de voyage, for her note is worth no more than her contract. By the way, she must be a kind of aventurier to engage so easily in such an adventure with a man whom she had not known above a week, and whose debut of ten thousand roubles showed him not to be in his right senses. You will probably have seen General York by this time in his way to Berlin or Breslau, or wherever the King of Prussia may be. As he keeps his commission to the States-General, I presume he is not long to stay with his Prussian Majesty. But, however, while he is there, take care to write to him very constantly, and to give all the information you can. His father, Lord Hardwick, is your great puff. He commends your office letters exceedingly. I would have the Berlin commission your object, in good time. Never lose view of it. Do all you can to recommend yourself to the King of Prussia on your side of the water, and to smooth your way for that commission on this. By the turn which things have taken of late, it must always be the most important of all foreign commissions from hence. I have no news to send you, as things here are extremely quiet. So good night. Letter 220. London, April twenty-fifth, 1758. Dear friend, I am now two letters in your debt, which I think is the first time that ever I was so, in the long course of our correspondence. But besides that my head has been very much out of order of late, writing is by no means that easy thing that it was to me formerly. I find by experience that the mind and the body are more than married, 
for they are most intimately united, and when the one suffers, the other sympathizes. Non sum qualis eram. Neither my memory nor my invention are now what they formerly were. It is in a great measure my own fault. I cannot accuse nature, for I abused her, and it is reasonable I should suffer for it. I do not like the return of the impression upon your lungs, but the rigor of the cold may probably have brought it upon you, and your lungs not in fault. Take care to live very cool, and let your diet be rather low. We have had a second winter here, more severe than the first, at least it seems so, from a premature summer that we had, for a fortnight in March, which brought everything forward only to be destroyed. I have experienced it at Blackheath, where the promise of fruit was a most flattering one, and all nipped in the bud by frost and snow in April. I shall not have a single peach or apricot. I have nothing to tell you from hence concerning public affairs, but what you read in the newspapers. This only is extraordinary, that last week, in the House of Commons, above ten millions were granted, and the whole Hanover army taken into British pay, with but one single negative, which was Mr. Viner's. Mr. Pitt gains ground in the closet, and yet does not lose it in the public. That is new. Monsieur Niphausen has dined with me. He is one of the prettiest fellows I have seen. He has, with a great deal of life and fire, les manières du honnête homme, et le ton de la parfaitement bonne compagnie. You like him yourself. Try to be like him. It is in your power. I hear that Mr. Mitchell is to be recalled, notwithstanding the King of Prussia's instances to keep him but why is a secret that I cannot penetrate. You will not fail to offer the Landgrave and the Princess of Hesse, who I find are going home, to be their agent and commissioner at Hamburg. I cannot comprehend the present state of Russia, nor the motions of their armies. They change their generals once a week, and sometimes they march with rapidity, and now they lie quiet behind the Vistula. We have a thousand stories here of the interior of that government, none of which I believe. Some say that the great duke will be set aside. Woronzoff is said to be entirely a Frenchman, and that Monsieur de l'Hôpital governs both him and the court. Sir C. W. is said, by his indiscretions, to have caused the disgrace of Bestuchef, which seems not impossible. In short, everything of every kind is said, because, I believe, very little is truly known. Apropos of Sir C. W., he is out of confinement, and gone to his house in the country for the whole summer. They say he is now very cool and well. I have seen his Circe at her window in Pall Mall. She is painted, powdered, curled, and patched, and looks l'aventure. She has been offered by Sir C. W.'s friends five hundred pounds in full of all demands, but will not accept of it. La Comtesse vous plaidez, and I fancy, fait autre chose si elle peut, jubio te bene valere. End of section 183. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.